who's doing announcements this morning. Ed's doing announcements. Okay. Um, but before Ed uh, comes up and gives the news to fit to, that is fit to tell, um, I wanted to just uh, give you an invitation and an observation. Um, the neck, over the next 12 weeks, uh, we have our uh, church, uh, the things that people are helping with, people, all that stuff is lined up on a, on a schedule. And I am, as your pastor, doing the prayers of God's people, the prayers of God's people, six out of the 12 times. And you could say, well, you're a pastor and you're supposed to pray. And that is true. And I do. But the prayers of God's people is supposed to be done by the people. And so um, we make do. And I, I uh, step in when we don't have somebody. But here's the, here's the challenge and or invitation. I encourage you, everybody sitting here, to prayerfully consider doing a prayer once. Once. Uh, for prayers of God's people up here. And to help you, I'd be happy to come alongside you and help you craft a prayer, to listen to your prayer, to in any way help you. I even have prayers that have been already written by the Missouri Synod that line up with the individual weeks that we go through. In fact, that's what I use uh, today because it lines up with the gospel and the lectionary and everything. But I would love to have somebody's, somebody's um, that haven't done prayer before to take a leap of faith, a step of faith, and come and do it. And then I would also encourage you this. When Ashley comes, do you think that she enjoys hearing her own voice up there and, and chatting? Do you think that's a comfortable thing for her? I can tell you it wasn't. But there she is. And she's getting, you know, pretty comfortable at it now. It's a little bit butterflies going up there and everything. But first to do the prayers and then, then to come up and actually read. So um, you can do it. And I am challenging you to, uh, to prayerfully consider doing it. Thank you very much. All right, Ed. I was thinking about that idea of praying, but I'd probably cry through it and then wouldn't be able to finish the prayer. <laughs> have to think about it a little bit harder, I guess. Good morning. Um, some important things to note uh, on the weekly uh, at RLC page that you have in front of you. Uh, the Bible study is going to be the Book of Romans uh, put on by Pastor Ken. He always makes it very interesting and entertaining. And uh, I don't think they started last Tuesday because there was a number of people missing. So he hasn't really started. It was supposed to start last week. So this Tuesday, if you could make it, and even more importantly, if you can bring a, bring a friend that's missing the good news, uh, I think they would enjoy themselves uh, if, you could, if you could find a friend to, to uh, invite. Uh, moving on to men's Bible study, uh, we always have room for men. Uh, 
to come, and we do that in the pastor's office at 8 o'clock. Um, one thing that people may not have looked at in their bulletin or thought about, except for a few, is where it talks about praise. On uh, page five in your bulletin, you see that those who need prayer and a place to, to praise our Lord and Savior, if you like, you can put praises and have them published in the bulletin. Uh, so uh, write or email Ashley about that, and she'll help you with that. I know I've got a lot to be happy about lately, so I'll probably put a couple in myself. Uh, one other thing, worship assistance. We have a schedule through October now, and it's available on the table in the narthex. But what we could use and we prayerfully have, would like you to consider is getting involved and contact Ashley if you can help with the prayers, with the greeting, with the ushering, lectures, communion assistance, altar guild, all that is uh, something that uh, we'd like you to prayerfully, prayerfully consider. Another thing, the homebound, very important thing. Uh, consider reaching out to those who are unable to attend church. They, they love hearing from you, a call, a note, anything like that. And again, we will be uh, also want to mention on the bottom of that page, we have a special fellowship happening on August the 27th. Uh, Reformation will be uh, hosting a baby shower for Linda and Matt Yabuki for the little one that's yet to come. Uh, it's going to be Sunday, August 27th. So we're going to have a little uh, basket in the back, so if you'd like to bring a card um, um, to put in the basket for the, the, the newborn that's about to be coming here in visiting with us in October. I'm sure they would all appreciate that. That's all I have.
Will you please stand if you're able? We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as you're called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, Comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. 
worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, preserve us from all harm and danger that we, being ready in both body and soul, may cheerfully accomplish what you want done. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the power of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Job, chapter 38, verses 4 through 18, and can be found on page 835 in the Pew Bible. Here, God asks Job a series of questions that no human could possibly answer. Job responds by recognizing that God's ways are best. Job 38, 4 through 18. Where were you when I laid earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who walked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Of what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds, its garments and it wrapped it in thick darkness. When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther. Here's where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown, shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by its edges and shake the wicked out of it? Earth takes its shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked were denied their light, and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the spring of the seas or walked in the recesses of the deep? 
Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expenses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. We will read Psalm 18, verses 1 through 16, responsibly, and is printed on your bulletin on page 6. This psalm was sang by David when the Lord delivered him from the hands of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Psalm 18, 1 through 16. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness, his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstorms and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven the voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemies. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. The next reading is taken from the book of Roman, chapter 10, verses 5 through 17, and can be found on page 1760 in the Pew Bible. Paul clearly sets the foundation of Christian faith in this writing. Romans 10, 5 through 17. Moses writes this about the righteous that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, Any who, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, 
The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from Matthew chapter 14 verses 22 through 33, and can be found on page 1520 in your pew Bible. Matthew records, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there all alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind... He was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, and he caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So the events uh, of today's gospel, they take place right after Jesus fed the 5,000. That was 5,000 men plus additional women and children. And you recall from last week that Jesus used a few dinner rolls and a couple of sardines from a little boy's lunch basket. And he fed all of those people they, until they had their full, their fill, and then picked up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. And you would think at this sign, that after seeing this sign, the people would begin to understand who this man was. But they don't. They didn't. Not yet. So the Apostle John tells us in John 6 that when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. And Jesus, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And instead of seeing the Messiah, who had come to take away the sins of the world, they saw a potential king who could give them a really nice free lunch over and over. They saw an earthly king of power instead of a heavenly savior from sin. And Jesus had to act quickly in order to diffuse this situation. You'll recall the text said this. It tells us immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. The words immediately and made mean that Jesus really hustled. He didn't do this quietly. He, did, he just get on the boat, and they did. He hustled the disciples into the boat. He acted quickly to dismiss the crowds. And he not only dismissed the crowds, but he also left the scene so that no one could find him. He went up on the mountain to pray. And then what a contrast we see at the end of today's gospel where we read, those in the boat worshipped him saying, truly you are the son of God. There is no doubt that as the calm descended on the boat, everyone on the boat understood that Jesus is God and they worshipped him as such. And the Holy Spirit used the events of the night, and especially, especially the words and the works of Jesus, to change their understanding. When Jesus hustled the disciples into the boat and he sent them on the voyage, that should have only lasted a few hours. Just a few hours. And instead, while Jesus prayed on the mountain, the disciples, they were struggling they struggled for their lives on that Sea of Galilee. And it seemed as if the wind 
and the sea had come to life and had conspired to be determined to torment these disciples. And if the disciples had tried to go to shore, they probably would have been broken apart on the rocks, and they would have died. And as far as they were concerned, their only hope they had was to battle the wind and the waves out there on that Sea of Galilee and just hope that they survived the storm. Now the only problem is, is that we read that the storm lasted all night long. And the reading tells us that Jesus came to the disciples during the fourth watch. And the fourth watch, well, that ended at dawn. And the disciples, they must have been exhausted, and they were operating on what can only assume pure adrenaline. And it's possible, perhaps, that the eastern sky had gone from dark black to kind of a gray, and just beginning to turn gray with the promise of a dawn, and then the disciples look out over the waves and they saw a figure on a stroll on top of the waves coming towards them. And in their exhausted state, they thought that Jesus was a ghost. They thought he was a ghost that had come, was coming to escort them to a watery death. And it is no wonder that these guys did not shriek in the purest terror. They were afraid. You know, the disciples, they remind me so much of our natural state as we are born into this world. You see, most people believe in some sort of God, a little G God. You know in your Bible, anytime you see the big G, you know, that's God. You see little G, those are the little idol gods. So most people believe in some sort of a little G God, but the general concept of a little G God goes something like this. <clears throat> the people of the world say, if I do the best that I can to obey my little G God's will, he will make up the difference and get me into heaven. As long as I do my best, my little G God will do the rest. If I do my best, my little G God will bless me. If I am not receiving any blessings, then I must not be doing my best, and I need to try harder. And you know, things can seem to go along pretty good with that kind of a theology of a little g-god. They can go real well in a home-brewed concept of little g-gods until we encounter a crisis, something so big that causes us to rethink our lives. For the disciples, it was a life-threatening storm. But the crisis can take many other forms. Maybe, maybe it's a doctor. And the doctor says something like, you know, I don't really like the look at that spot. I'd like to take a biopsy and send it to the lab. Maybe 
a crisis sounds like this. It's a late night voice that says, Hi, Dad. I'm fine. I just wrecked your car. Or I'm in jail. Whatever it is, we begin to think back over our lives when the crisis comes and we see that we have not lived a big G God-pleasing life. And as the crisis causes us to review our lives, whatever that crisis may be, we realize that we have loved our own pleasure more than we love God. We have placed our agenda above God's agenda. The honesty and clarity of a crisis forces us to look back over our lives and realize that we truly deserve to drown in the sea of our own sin and then suffer in the fires of hell. And if God judges, God the Father Almighty, true God, if he judges us under our own natural understanding, then the only thing that can happen is that he'll find us guilty and sentence us to eternal doom. But, but, the true God is not the little G God that we expect. The true God comes to us with the gospel. And how comforting it must have been for those disciples to hear the words come across the water, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. It was not death, but it was life that walked toward them on the water. It was their beloved master, their savior, who came to them in the midst of a crisis to bring them their salvation. And the gospel emphasizes the fact that Jesus came to them. And the words, walking on the sea, you know, they're just merely added there to let us know how Jesus got there. He walked on the top of the waves. And the important thing in this narrative, <clears throat> it's not that Jesus walked on the water, but it is that he came to rescue his disciples. And you know, Jesus, you do know, Jesus did a lot more than walk on water to save his people. The ultimate expression of his desires, desire to save us, well, it comes from the cross. And, and for it is on the cross that Jesus became the greatest sinner. Jesus became the greatest sinner of all time. Not with his own sin, but with your sin and my sin and the sin of the entire world put upon him. And the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> well, inspired Paul to write this in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. Paul writes, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
You see, Jesus carried that sin to the cross. And he sacrificed himself in order to remove that sin from the world. Here's how that worked. When Jesus died, that sin died. The sin of the whole world died with him. And when Jesus rose, he left the sin in the grave where it can have no power over us, over those who are in Christ. Now, Jesus comes to each and every one of us, and he brings salvation to us. He does not come on the water of the sea, but he comes in the water of baptism. When, when God's water is joined with God's word, according to God's command, the old natural man who enslaved us to sin is drowned. He dies with all sins and evil desires, and in his place, a new holy man arises who lives before God in righteousness and purity forever. Now, it's true that no life, no life has only one crisis. And we see that in today's gospel as Peter tried to walk on the water. They had the crisis of the storm. Peter gets out of the boat. The Bible doesn't really tell us why Peter asked to walk on the water. But we know Peter, right? After all, it doesn't seem like Peter often has a reason for doing what he does. He's just Peter. Regardless of that, there is Peter asking, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And we know it must have been okay because Jesus said, come. And so Peter did. He got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. And then we read that Peter began to realize that what he was doing. And he got so distracted by the wind that he began to sink. And in an instant, Peter had gone from an example of God's power at work in us and in him to an example of human doubt and failure. And all Christians go through this. We go through this struggle in some way. Paul said, he described it this way, his struggle. In Romans chapter 7, he said, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Look, every day we face the terror of our own sin. We face its desire to take back control of our lives. And fortunately, our baptism is not a one-time thing. We live continually in our baptism as, as we daily join Peter and we cry out, to God in prayer, Lord, 
Save me. Now Martin Luther wrote this in the small catechism. He writes, Baptizing with water indicates the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires. And that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. In today's gospel, Jesus responded to Peter's prayer immediately. He put out his hand, and with a touch, just a touch, he brought Peter back to the surface, and the two of them got into the boat. And Peter was safe with his Lord once again. Now Jesus also promised to be with us, all of us, until the end of the age. And when we sin, he rescues us. His almighty power is always with us to keep us safe with him forever. He left his throne on high, and he died on the cross to save us. And he is not, he is not going to let us get away from him again. In the name of Jesus, amen.
if you're able. Let us now confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us uh, pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people in accordance to their needs. Almighty God, you laid the foundations of the earth and set bounds and limits to all things. We give you thanks for your glorious creation, including our own bodies and souls. And in our sin, we have earned for ourselves death. And your creation has been subjected to futility, yet in your Son, you grant us forgiveness and new life. Help us to live in righteousness through faith in Christ. Lord, in your mercy, gracious Lord, your word is near to our hearts and the hearts of your people. Grant them courage to speak the gospel faithfully before the world. Let those who hear Confess Jesus Christ as Lord and be saved. Remember all who endure persecution for his name and strengthen them for a bold witness. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, 
We ask you to raise up pastors and teachers and missionaries and servants for all church work vocations. Bless church planters and new congregations that they may endure. Bring hope and renewal to all struggling congregations and to the pastors who serve them. Do not let fear keep us from your word and sacraments. Lord, in your mercy, help us. Help us to trust in you at all times, that we may not doubt or fear, Father. Grant us confidence in all that you have promised to bestow daily and richly upon your people. Lord, in your mercy. Oh, Lord, you supported Peter in his doubts and fears. Keep us from sinking into despair when we suffer the trials of this mortal life. Be those, be with those who are in need, especially Teresa, Sandy, Laura, and Laurel, who is with us in worship today. Grant us your spirit that our hearts may not waver and keep us in the grasp of your grace, that we may not lose our way or be overcome by weariness and struggle. Lord, in your mercy, grant that we who come to you and to your table may receive Christ's body and blood in faith. Let us truly be united in confession, even as we are one at the table of our Lord. Lord, in your mercy, gracious Lord, give ear to the prayers of your people and lead us to trust in your mercy without fear, that we may be confident that you will grant to us all things needful to us and our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord, Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth, 
and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. The holy sacrament of the altar is for all who confess Christ as Lord and Savior, those who believe, those who have been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If your confession is that he is truly God, Son of God, sent to rescue you and me and all who believe from sin, death, and the devil, then come. The table is prepared and the usher will bring you forward.
And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our uh, closing hymn is Be Thou My Vision. And next week we have Diane back with us. So we'll have live music then. i